Major funding for NJ Spotlight News is provided in part by NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years, and by the PSCG Foundation. Tonight on NJ Spotlight News, cash for votes in Hoboken? The city council race is under scrutiny with allegations of voter fraud. One councilman accused of running a cash for votes scheme. This can't be undone. The toothpaste can't be put back in the tube. And so voters are going to have to do the best they can to sort this out. Also, relief in the Middle East, at least for now. The first hostages are released after Israel and Hamas agreed to a four-day pause in fighting. Plus, liquor license reform. With strict brewery regulations potentially resuming, many business owners are anxious as the deadline to pass new reform inches closer. The governor says he supports our bill which is confounding to us because we gave him a solution to a problem that his own administration put us in. And Black Friday is here. Committed shoppers brave the crowds looking for deals, but how is inflation impacting their budgets on this busiest shopping day of the year? NJ Spotlight News begins right now. From NJPBS Studios, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venozzi. Good evening. Thanks for joining us this Friday night. I'm Joanna Gagas, in for Brianna Venozzi. Political corruption is sadly nothing new in Hudson County, but a city council race in Hoboken has turned especially ugly this week with allegations of voter fraud in a cash-for-votes scheme. The controversy is surrounding the runoff election in Hoboken's first ward between candidates Rafi Cordova and Paul Presenzano. That election is less than two weeks away, and Hoboken's mayor, Ravi Bala, has called for an investigation, which has drawn finger-pointing from both sides, including allegations that Mayor Bala himself is running a smear campaign and trying to install a council that'll side with him during future council votes. Senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan has more on this messy election runoff. A Hoboken Council race runoff has gone off the rails in a town that's infamous for bare-knuckle politics. Some folks in this apartment building allege tenant Anna Cintron paid other tenants 50 bucks a pop for their vote-by-mail ballot, supposedly to influence the first ward council election. But is the accusation true or, as critics allege, a political smear campaign? Hoboken has a history of dirty politics and illegal politics. Uh, for a long time, folks have considered it par for the course uh, in the city. It, you know, you, you mentioned it and it's a shoulder shrug. Oh, that's Hoboken for you. Well, frankly, that's not acceptable. Councilman Joe Quintero says he helped some upset tenants send this letter to New Jersey's Attorney General asking for an investigation after they saw Cintron monitoring the mailroom for potential voters, including those with Alzheimer's or disabled and more, following these individuals to their apartments to either force a vote for a specific candidate or to collect a blank ballot, then following up with a cash payment for the vote. They claim it's a scheme to help candidate Paul Presenzano win the first ward runoff. My primary motivations are to help these residents uh, have a voice where they feel they have none and really get these issues on the record with respect to the authorities. Quintero and Hoboken Mayor Ravi Bala both back Presenzano's opponent. 
Rafi Cordova. It's high stakes. Cordova's swing vote could give the mayor a majority on Hoboken's nine-seat council. And Cordova says, I believe this is a serious matter in need of investigation, given Hoboken's history of these kind of illegal efforts. Let the investigators and the prosecutors figure it out over time, but voters have to make a decision. And as you've said, council control is on the line. You know, which, which, uh, which party, which faction is going to govern uh, the city council for the next number of years is on the line. And so it's it's not an unimportant runoff election here. But Presenzano supporters smell a rat. It's a hallmark of our current mayor and every campaign he gets involved in to kind of defend um, his candidates and to keep as much control over local politics. Um, to just use dirty politics and tactics like this. Councilwoman Tiffany Fisher also sent the attorney general a letter calling the accusations a smear aimed at a damaging headline to be timed on the day vote-by-mail ballots hit mailboxes two weeks before the election. She claims in a city with large apartment buildings, Cintron simply did what a lot of campaign supporters do, help their candidate. Um, she has known Paul now for the last couple years, and this is just someone that she wanted to help support in the way that she knows how to, which is to help get out the vote. Cintron stated, I vehemently deny paying anyone to vote and am looking into filing a defamation suit against those who have made these false allegations. She was named in a former Hoboken vote-buying case, but never charged. Presenzano called it all dirty politics, stating, I would never pay for votes or have anyone pay for votes on my behalf. He's considering a lawsuit too, but writers Mike Rasmussen warned, The damage is done. The water is muddied um, and this can't be undone. The toothpaste can't be put back in the tube and so voters are going to have to do the best they can to sort this out. Voters won't have long the runoffs on December 5th. I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News. Legislators in New Jersey are determining which bills will make it through this post-election lame duck period of the legislative session, and one possible reform could be a change to OPRA requests. OPRA is the Open Public Records Act that allows the public and the media access to the inner workings of government. But a proposed bill could make that access much more difficult, and that's not sitting well with three organizations in the state, including the American Civil Liberties Union in New Jersey and the League of Women Voters of New Jersey. Brianna Venosi recently spoke with a representative from the third group, the New Jersey Working Families Party, about the costs that these changes could have on democracy in the state. Antoinette, I appreciate your time. Um, New Jersey Working Families, a coalition of groups, sent this letter. Essentially, you all said that these changes to Oprah would diminish transparency, but also perhaps embolden public officials uh, to, quote, act with impunity. What specifically do you see as threats to transparency here? Yeah, thanks so much, Brianna, for having me speak on this. Um, really, we are looking at this uh, New Jersey Working Families and the coalition that we put together with League of Women Voters and ACLU. And we've seen how Trenton has taken several steps back and has chipped away at transparency over recent legislative sessions. And so we are really concerned that reforms put to Oprah would really diminish the power of Oprah and access to the public records that 
public so rightfully deserves to access the loss, uh, potential loss of the attorney's fees via fee shifting. We feel that that is a really important provision that allows the public to be able to pursue Oprah challenges through their municipality. And so we're concerned with the loss of that, that many people may not even uh, pursue an Oprah request um, because they will not be able to have the legal representation that they so rightfully want to have have when it comes to specific Oprah requests. So we are concerned about curtailing, fee shifting, and we also are concerned about measures that would really uh, narrow the scope in which people can bring about uh, Oprah complaints and challenges, particularly with moving away from the superior court process to the GRC, the Government Records Council. Um, And so we know that GRC is a small age state agency that is uh, not been well-funded in recent years and has a severe backlog when it comes to government records complaints. Uh, And so we are worried that the public will be waiting uh, months and sometimes even years to see the result of an Oprah request um, that is quite detailed. How do you contend, Antoinette, with the argument that many lawmakers have made where they say, hey, listen, we're all about transparency, but Commercial businesses are coming in, inundating our municipal clerks with these requests that they then turn around, use as data mining, sell for a profit, uh, and our municipalities are left holding the bag. How do you argue with that? Yeah, I'll say a few things about that. Number one, I think we, our point of view is that we not throw the baby out with the bathwater. We understand that there are people out there, commercial interests, who do use Oprah and data mine, um, and it is quite burdensome for, for clerks, municipal clerks. And so... Our rebuttal to that is let's give clerks the support that they deserve. Um, If there are ways to support them, and I know that Senator Loretta Weinberg, former senator, was uh, very detailed in her previous proposals when she was in the legislature to bring the Clerks Association to the table, to bring municipalities to the table, to talk through these things. And so I think that we are looking at this as uh, making sure that we do give clerks the support that they need and that we address these issues. But also at the same time, I would challenge, um, you know, who was left holding the bag when we don't have uh, a strong Oprah bill that allows us to look into government malfeasance and waste, fraud, and abuse of taxpayer dollars. Um, We need to tally up that cost as well um, should we have a weakened Oprah bill. Antoinette Miles is with the New Jersey Working Families Party. Antoinette, thank you so much. Thank you. 24 hostages were released by Hamas today, 13 Israelis, 10 Thai hostages, and one Filipino hostage. Their release is part of a four-day ceasefire between Israel and Hamas in Gaza. In exchange for the Hamas hostages, Israel freed 39 Palestinian prisoners, including women and children who'd been held in Israeli jails. This exchange was the first in what's expected to be three more days of prisoner swaps. In total, at least 50 Israeli hostages in exchange for 150 50 Palestinian prisoners. The deal was brokered by Qatar with help from the U.S. President Biden addressed the nation today, saying he still doesn't know when the three American hostages held by Hamas will be released. 
Among them is a little girl who turned four years old today and 19-year-old New Jersey resident Idan Alexander, who was in Israel volunteering in the army when he was captured on October 7th. Now, during this four-day ceasefire, humanitarian aid will be delivered to Gaza. Just today, 200 trucks were brought in carrying food, water, medical supplies, and cooking gas. President Biden saying that hundreds more trucks are prepared to come through in the coming days. Liquor license reform was a top agenda priority for Governor Murphy this year, but as we tick down to the end of the legislative season, there's been very little movement on any liquor licensing reforms. One reason, lawmakers can't agree on how to address brewery regulations in the state. Murphy said he'd conditionally veto any bill that included breweries because he wants those regulations included with broader liquor license reforms. But there's no clear answer on how to handle liquor license owners who've already spent millions to purchase them. Ted Goldberg takes a closer look at what these regulations mean for their industries. Frank Shoe Store closed about five, six years ago, and uh, no one has filled the vacuum in town. Chatham Mayor Thaddeus Kobolars hopes something can fill this vacant building downtown. Something needs to replace that, otherwise you're going to have a, uh, a dying downtown. We have basically uh, contracting uh, uh, retail and service uh, enterprises here. Uh, there's a contraction of that sector of the economy in our downtown that started with the uh, rise of malls over 40 years ago, but uh, was exacerbated uh, by uh, the onset of uh, e-commerce. The building will be knocked down and replaced in January. There's no new tenant, but Kobolars has heard ideas. I've had a number of residents come up to me and say, uh, Thad or Mayor, why doesn't Chatham have a wine bar? tremendous for this town. Chatham only has four liquor licenses to hand out to bars and restaurants, and they're all in use. But more licenses could soon become available if state lawmakers address liquor license reform during the lame duck session. New Jersey's setup generally allows one liquor license for every 3,000 people in a city or town, which can cause scarcity and drive up the price to get one. We probably put two or 300,000 into the building. And then the liquor license cost us $500,000, which we had to pay for in cash. Peter Schwab opened Chatham's River Grill in 2006. I liquidated my 401k to purchase the, the liquor license. And then with the uh, inside, I had some money saved. He put up about three quarters of that himself. My liquor license now is worth a million, maybe a million and a half. That's my retirement. That's my 401k. Schwab is concerned about what would happen if liquor licenses can be bought and sold cheaply. He doesn't mind if Governor Murphy makes changes statewide as long as he's compensated. If he pays us for what our liquor licenses are worth, I don't care what he does. He could, I, I don't care about competition because I know my product's good. Governor Murphy's office says comprehensive liquor license reform is why he plans to conditionally veto a bill that would ease regulations on breweries. Murphy says he supports the bill but brewers still feel like bargaining chips. The governor says he supports our bill, which is confounding to us because we gave him a solution to a problem that his own administration put us in, and he seems not to want to take a gift that has it wrapped it with a bow on top and instead include in a proposal that seemingly has no support from the legislature. I feel like they're kind of using that as a chip, un essentially unfairly um, for us, because we, we had done the work to get every that bill through. Cindy DeRama co-owns Twin Elephant in Chatham. She says New Jersey's new rules on breweries stifle her business. 
They include regulating the size of televisions and how many public events can be held each year. Live music, trivia nights, um, anything like edu even educational nights. Dorama hopes a solution can be found before January 1st, when the new rules are set to come back into effect. To create another barrier for local businesses to, you know, like thrive um, is really detrimental right now because especially with how the economy is, right? And, and um, you know, everyone's just feeling, feeling it a lot. That brewery bill was passed with unanimous support in the state Senate and Assembly. But it might not mean anything if lawmakers and Governor Murphy can't agree on a solution before the end of the lame duck session. In Chatham, I'm Ted Goldberg, NJ Spotlight News. Mental health services have been in high demand, especially since the pandemic, when rates of depression and anxiety skyrocketed. And it's led to wait times of up to five months in many cases before a person can even be seen by a therapist. Well, a bill just cleared the Assembly Health Committee that could enter New Jersey into an interstate agreement called the Counseling Compact. I'm joined now by mental health writer Bobby Breyer, who can explain what this agreement is and how it could help meet the needs in the state. Bobby, good to have you uh, here and talking with us today. So the Assembly Health Committee moved forward a bill that would enter New Jersey into this counseling compact. What can you tell us about that compact? What is it? Yeah, essentially the compact would allow for licensed professional counselors uh, living in New Jersey uh, to uh, apply for this application that would then allow them to practice in other states without going through a, a multiple uh, licensure application process. The, the significance of that is that a lot of times uh, when counselors, licensed professional counselors want to expand their pool of clients, they would have to go through a, a lengthy process uh, where they could wait sometimes up to a month to get approved to practice in another state. That would often cause disruptions in their practice. It would also cause disruptions for their client base as well. So this is a significant step forward really to uh, not only uh, help licensed professional counselors here in New Jersey expand their client base, but also for uh, folks in New Jersey that are, are in need of counselors um, to get to see one uh, potentially more quickly. Yeah, right now the wait times, as you reported uh, in your recent article, are about 22 weeks uh, for anyone to see a counselor. And we know just anecdotally that there are many instances where folks are waiting much longer than that. How could this help address the, the mental health need that exists in New Jersey? It would essentially allow for uh, folks who uh, want to see a counselor to be able to see counselors not just in New Jersey, uh, but to see them in any of the other uh, 30 compact member states. Right now, there's uh, Maryland, Delaware, and Connecticut uh, as few of the other local states that have joined this compact. So essentially, uh, somebody in New Jersey would be able to see maybe a counselor who has a license to practice in New Jersey, but maybe residing in, say, Maryland, uh, to see them via telehealth. So it would allow for folks uh, a, a greater diversity uh, of potential uh, therapists to see, and it would also allow them to uh, see, potentially see some of these uh, counselors sooner rather than later to cut down on a lot of these wait times that we're hearing about, uh, unfortunately, not just here in New Jersey, but across the country as well. We know that there's been a shortage of healthcare providers just based on the need that exists here in New Jersey. Are any of those partner states having a better go at it or could this end up actually taking uh, some of the time from our therapists here uh, and taking that into other states? You know, it's right now it's it's hard to determine because the compacts um, are one step kind of in the process. What will happen next is that uh, a lot of the 
every counselor who's who's in one of these compact member states would then have to apply uh, to get approved. Now that application process is supposed to be streamlined and supposed to be a lot quicker uh, than a month. Um, as some folks have have told me, it, you know, within a matter of of minutes to get this this uh, application approved. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to take a while to get up and running. So none of this is in place yet where there's um, actual therapists conducting telehealth. Uh, it's all kind of uh, the foundational aspects of it right now. But there are potentials uh, to have uh, quicker wait times in, in a lot of these, uh, excuse me, quicker, uh, quicker access to therapy uh, in a lot of situations across state lines. Bobby Breyer, always appreciate your reporting on mental health issues here in New Jersey. Thank you. Thanks, Joanna. As we head into the winter months when viruses and infections thrive, the federal government is trying to get out ahead of a potential spike in COVID cases. They are once again providing free COVID tests, up to four per household. All you have to do is head to covidtest.gov, fill out a form, and those free rapid at-home tests will be delivered right to you. The CDC is anticipating a similar spike in hospitalizations compared to last year when the rate topped 45,000 cases per week. This is the second time in the past three months that the federal government has offered these free tests. And government leaders say if you already have tests from previous offerings, check those expiration dates and order more to make sure you still have tests that work. In our Spotlight on Biz report, it's Black Friday and you know what that means. Long lines of dedicated shoppers braving the crowds for those holiday deals. But early this morning, shoppers at American Dream Mall got an unexpected surprise, a bomb threat. They received an alert on their phones telling them to evacuate the building. That alert came from the New Jersey State Police that investigated the potential bomb threat and later gave the all clear for shoppers to return to their stores. American Dream said in a statement that it was not a credible threat, but evacuated the building out of an abundance of caution. Over at Menlo Park Mall, it's been business as usual, complete with all the hustle and bustle that the day usually brings. Raven Santana is there and has more. I got clothes, I got some makeup. That's literally it. We was looking for like a pair of shoes that we could wear in the winter time. This is just the beginning. Shoppers were out in full force this Black Friday at Menlo Park Mall in Edison. The director of marketing and business development at the mall says that in part has to do with retailers pulling out all the stops to entice shoppers to skip online and shop in person. Express is 50 off, Zara is 40% off. I mean, those are great deals that you could just go in, feel it, try it, and then buy it. We have some really great stores that you can't really find them anywhere else. I mean, we've got Mango, we've got Zara, we've got Dynamite, Nordstrom's here, so it's a one-stop shop. The shopping season comes at a time when people are feeling the effects of high inflation and interest rates, and experts say shoppers this year will spend cautiously, which means some serious competition for retailers. This year, it's very much about a battle for the consumer spending. There's a lot of retailers out there. They all want to grab some of the dollars that people are spending, but there's probably not going to be quite enough to go around. So. Retailers are going to have to work very hard to offer great discounts, great bargains, really entice consumers through the doors or onto the websites and get them spending. While many shoppers I spoke with admit the sales just aren't as good as they once were, many of them showed up as early as 6 a.m., whether it was by themselves or with family members, to get the best deals. Do you feel like the retailers are really trying to get people in no, the no. store? No. <laughs> I think that they should do like 10 times more. 
does is it the lines that can scare people off you think a lot, yes definitely there's like lines going all the way from the entrance and that's definitely intimidating what's the longest line you waited on today mm, probably i want to say the food court <laughs> According to the latest National Retail Federation annual survey, an estimated 182 million people are planning to shop in-store and online for Thanksgiving Day through Cyber Monday this year. We call today um, Black Friday, um, and, and Black Friday for some means rushing to Target or rushing to, rushing to the mall. But rush rush downtown and stroll and enjoy enjoy the cheer. Eileen Kane is the director of New Jersey's National Federation of Independent Business, the state's largest small business advocacy group. She's reminding and encouraging all New Jerseyans to get out and support small businesses in the state. There's sometimes a misconception that just because you're shopping local, you're going to be paying through sky high through the roof. And it's it's just not true. And um I like to put a little spin on why shopping local is so much more fun is because you don't have the boxes and you don't have the returns and you don't have the stress of going to the UPS store or going to the FedEx store and, um, and getting on that line and making those returns. It, 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 it really um, creates more of a, fina a final experience that you're wrapping the gift and it's done. And it, it, I think it's more rewarding. Mall management wants to remind everyone and stress that if you couldn't make it out today, those deals will continue throughout this weekend. For NJ Spotlight News, I'm Raven Santana. The markets closed early today. All three closing with gains for the fourth straight week. Here's a look at those numbers. Support for the Business Report provided by the New Jersey Tourism Industry Association. NJTIA will host their New Jersey Conference on Tourism November 30th through December 1st at Resorts Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. NJTIA.org for event information. That's all we have for you tonight, but don't forget to download the NJ Spotlight News podcast so you can listen anytime. I'm Joanna Gagas for all of us here at NJ Spotlight News. Thanks for being with us. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you right back here on Monday. New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child. And RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. Our future relies on more than clean energy. Our future relies on empowered communities, the health and safety of our families and neighbors, of our schools and streets. The PSEG Foundation is committed to sustainability, equity, and economic empowerment. Investing in parks, helping towns go green, supporting civic centers, scholarships, and workforce development that strengthen our community.